That's the way to do it. In and out, one day. Welcome in to a Monday Mirror edition of Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, live from the League Company studio. I'm Chris Yao, joined by Maurice Patton, and glad to have you guys with us, as always, here on the show. Man, we've got a good one today. Seriously, it is it is jam-packed with a lot of fun, as you saw in the title card there. We're going to have Drew Hill talking to Memphis Grizzlies with us, who finally got their first win. It took an overtime loss on Friday, but then a 24-1 run yesterday to get the dub uh, to close that one out in Portland. So after dropping seven straight to open, yeah, so, it was it was a tough open. That's, so, so we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like and what's going on with the, the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll also talk with Caleb Giroux, who had a chance to see the U.S. Women's National Team at uh, at Food City Center. <laughs> over the weekend. Hey, they paid for the name and rights, but they didn't pay us. It's Thompson Bowling Green. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and if they want us to call it Food City Center, then they, get to pay you they got to stroke a check to Main Street Media of Tennessee. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's tough. It's tough. But yeah, he, he got a chance to see them, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what he saw from, from Tennessee and what Kelly Harper's group is looking like as they get ready to start. Because it is opening night of or opening day of college basketball. We've already had two local teams and women's uh, finish up. So there's that. And when is that South Carolina-Notre Dame game uh, now, in Paris? It's now? Uh, it is currently 95-65 to 65 South Carolina in the fourth quarter. That's 10th-ranked Notre Dame losing by 30. To 6th-ranked uh, South Carolina. Yeah, six ranked. 
Sixth ranked South Sixth Carolina, ranked. tenth ranked Notre Dame. And it's a thirty-five point. And it's thirty. Game. No, it's a thirty-one point game. Oh my bad. They just hit another. They just hit a free throw to make it thirty-one. So yeah, it's 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 a rough day for for North Carolina. So no USC right. is drubbing Ohio State, by the way, as well. In women's basketball, 48-28 right now in the third uh, at halftime. So, mm. yeah. Man, what a day for women's basketball. Opening day, it's been a lot of fun. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about, uh, obviously, all the things that happened over the weekend in the world of sports. So, get ready and get set. We're going to get going here in just a second. Let's go ahead and do that. We've got yesterday's results. We've got today, uh, today's, or not yesterday, but the weekend results and today's schedule. So let's give you the rundown. This is the rundown. The Monday rundown is brought to you by Zion Christian Academy. ZCA offers a faith-based, Christ-centered education in Murray County. Give them a call today at 931-388-5831 or visit zioneagles.org to schedule your appointment today. Zion Christian Academy, prepared for college, equipped for purpose. Football action over the weekend in high schools, playoff action, Summit 38, Antioch 29, Beach a 42-8 win over Memphis, Overton, Boyd Buchanan into Good Pastures year 49-20. It was Brentwood 28, Cane Ridge 7, Brentwood Academy a 43-14 winner over Briarcrest Christian, Centennial, with a 12-point win over Columbia Central, 27-15. to 15. In comeback fashion. In, in uh, me nailing the spread fashion. <laughs> Collierville, 23. Clarksville, 22. In what was one of the most exciting finishes in high school football over the weekend. Cookville, 35. Siegel, 34. CPA, 42-6 over uh, CAK. Davidson Academy, 49-27 over Chattanooga Christian. Donaldson Christian, 65. Mount Juliet Christian, 14. It was Decatur County Riverside just manhandling Mount Pleasant, unfortunately. 50-6, to the final there. East Nashville, 40-0 winners over Cheatham County. East Robertson Blinks Cascade, 42-0. It was FACS, 56. Grace Christian of Franklin, 42. Fairview down to Maplewood, 36-30 in comeback fashion. Franklin Road Academy, 35-6 over Silverdale. Friendship Christian, 42. Fayette, Fort, Fayette Academy, 14. Germantown, 47-0 over West Creek. Giles County, Blanks Brainerd, 34-0. Hardin County, a 29-22 winner over White House. Houston, 47. Dixon County, nothing. Jackson Christian, a 37-7 winner over Eagle. Hardin, Knoxville Catholic, 37. Father Ryan, 14. Lausanne, 41. BGA, 13. Liberty Creek, Blanks, Stickamore, 42-0. Peabody, Central Loretta, and Lindsay Mustang, a 28-24. Marion County, a 21-7 winner over Westmoreland, and then 6-32, Watertown. I'm sorry, then 35 Watertown 32. Also, Mount Juliet, after losing back-to-back to close regular season, defeated Rockville 29-19. Hendersonville with a 41-34 win over Munford, North Point Christian of Mississippi. 49, Pope Prep 24. Oakland with a 38-3 win over Gallatin. It was Page 50, Franklin County. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paul Cohen, 42, Lexington, 2. Nashville Christian with a 47-14 win over Providence Christian. Ravenwood doubled up Stewart's Creek, 28-14. No. 
it was 50 to 14 page over Franklin County because it was Riverdale 50, Green Hill 13. There we go. Gotcha. Bartlett with a 48 to 16 win over Rossview, Shelbyville down Hillsborough 41 7. Smyrna with a 26 14 win over Independence Station, Camp Edge, South Gibson 24 20. Tough night for Scott Stidham, current and former team. Um, South Pittsburgh 63, Joe Burns nothing. South win with a 62 to nothing win over Springfield. Tullahoma 10, Nolensville nothing. Eagleville 37, West Carroll 6, and Stratford 58, White House Heritage 42. On the ice, the Preds with a 5 2 win at Edmonton. And in the association, the Grizzlies fell 115 113 in overtime to Portland and defeated Portland 112 to 100. I wonder if one of those games was the end season tournament. I think it was. I don't know that, but I think it was. Has the end season tournament started? I I, I saw a bunch of the courts popping up on Twitter Mm -hmm. over the weekend, so I think it may have. College football, Tennessee drubs UConn after the Huskies asked for it. 59 threes. They did. (laughs) They really did. They really did. Uh, South Carolina pick six late to seal it over Jacksonville State and win the Gamecock Cup 38-28. It was New Mexico State holding off MTSU 13-7. to Tough night for the Blue Raiders. Charleston Southern down Tennessee State 35-21. Austin P in overtime, a 33-30 winner over Eastern Kentucky. We're winning in that game 20-7 to in the fourth quarter. There you go. Lindsey Wilson downs Cumberland 45 to 2. That's two games that have two as a final score. Men's basketball of the weekend. UT Southern downs Oakwood 91 54 and Cumberland 90 to 74. Cumberland bounces back to beat point 67 64. Trevecca downs Rhodes 103 63. Women's basketball action over the weekend. Brescia 54, Cumberland 46. Cumberland bounces back with a 72 30. 53, 72-53 went over Taylor. Campbellsville downs Fisk, 96-61. to Trevecca, a 78-59 winner over Fisk. The women's national team defeated Tennessee, 95-59. to And this morning, Missouri, in comeback fashion, goes on a 14-1 run and then holds off Belmont late, 62-51, due to the Lady Tigers. Vanderbilt takes easy care of Kennesaw State, 98-51. Um, today's schedule in men's basketball, it's Tennessee Tech at Tennessee. That's a 5.30 tip here, 6.30 in Knoxville on SEC Network Plus. On ESPN Plus at 6.30, Georgia State is at Belmont. Also at 6.30 on ESPN Plus, Lipscomb is at Wichita State. Austin P plays life. At 7:15 on ESPN Plus, and at 7:30 on ESPN Plus, you can see Fisk at Tennessee State, and you can see Northern Kentucky in the Glass House against MTSU. In women's basketball, Chris just mentioned that Belmont, Missouri game at five o'clock on ESPN Plus. It's Wilberforce at Tennessee State at five o'clock. Also on ESPN Plus, Memphis is at Middle Tennessee State. Trevecca is at Austin P at 5:30 on ESPN Plus, and also at 5:30 on ESPN Plus. UT Southern is at North Alabama. That is your rundown.
Brought to you by Piggly Wiggly Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Fine folks over there have great, delicious lunch specials, also hand cut meats, fresh daily, great produce, and it's all just cost plus 10 at the register. Again, that's Neely's Mill Piggly Wiggly right here in Columbia. Our top, top story today, Mo, is that Zakai Ziegler will make his return to the floor at Thompson Bowling Arena tonight, just eight months after suffering an ACL tear. And that is impressive. It's impressive and it's welcome news, I would imagine, because every discussion, certainly that we've had regarding Tennessee basketball for the 23-24 season, there was no discussion without the question, Who's going to play point guard until Zakai gets back? Well, doesn't matter because Zakai is back. Now, I to. guess the next question is, is he going to play 40 minutes every night? I don't think he's going to have to. I, you know, I think Tennessee found some, some guys who can step into that role for spurts. And I, I feel like, you know, Rick Barnes feels comfortable with some other guys, you know, it, it, again, playing, you know, backup by committee. And there's, there are two or three guys that, that I think can play that role. And, and even, you know, Santee and, you know, a couple other guys could, could also step in if necessary to handle the basketball. I don't think you're going to get the level of, you know, play from any of those guys that you get from Zakai Ziegler, and that's why he's your starter, and that's why he's so important to this to this basketball team. But, yeah, I feel like, you know, he's not going to play 40 minutes. He can't play 40 minutes. One, he probably hasn't conditioned enough to play 40 minutes. Well, I don't know that he would necessarily need to play 40 minutes tonight. No. Particularly. <laughs> well, it may be the time to do it, though. It may be, to you know, conditioning and whatnot. Play as much as you possibly can to you know to get your your conditioning back up to a level that you know you can once conference play starts you can play 33 35 minutes a game and just take your you know that extra minute before halftime or that extra minute before media breaks or whatever mm. to get those 2 minute breathers mm -hmm. so yeah it's interesting certainly i'm excited though i mean you know obviously this was a pretty easy win last year for Tennessee, uh, but you know Tennessee Tech always always brings a you know a little bit of juice to this because who doesn't want to beat the flagship school in your state, right? Oh, definitely. And so I mean they're definitely motivated going in. They're they're motivated, which means you have to be you know at the top of your game in order to not let you know, not let it get away from you at some point. So, you know, this is this is a game that Tennessee is going to, you know, is certainly going to be tested, especially early. You know, obviously uh, in games like this, depth plays such a huge factor. So I'm just, I'm excited to see Zakai Ziegler back on the court. It's going to be fun. Santiago Bescovy has been named Naismith Award watch winner or a watch list. list. Um, so that's also really good. Um, 
second top story today, Mo. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week about the the way that managers were you know, about to start finding homes. Mm-hmm. And today, obviously, with being the the last you know the last day, the deadline of options. You know, for, for players, I didn't know if today would be the day, but apparently it is because the Cleveland Guardians have hired Stephen Vogt, Braves legend. That's right. And the New York Metropolitans went across town and took the subway back with their new manager, Carlos Mendez, the bench coach of the the New York Yankees for the last, I think, four or five years, give or take. He spent 15 years with the Yankees in multiple roles and spent the last four as their bench coach. 15 years with the Yankees and said, I guess if I'm going to get a job managing, I'm going to have to go across town. So here he comes. How about that? That is that is a move. It is a move. It is a move. I don't know what it says, but it's a move. I, good luck selling that to the Mets fan. But, I mean, a guy who's never managed before coming out of the Yankees dugout to take over the Metropolitans. Mm. I, I would, there are some people I would love to hear today. Frank is one of them. It's some straight gas coming out of there, man. They, they, what I, was the radio host's name that oh, declared Sa- that? Sal? Sal, Sal Licata? Yeah. I would like to hear Sal and Frank right now. Mm. Can, mm. can I just, can, can we get Goodness. that? Because, I, I mean, you know they, they are be imploding. angry. Let's see what Frank has to say on Twitter, if anything. It doesn't look like uh, Carlos Mendoza is a loser. Mets will lose one thirty a year. <laughs> that's that, that's I mean that's exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> so let's see yeah. what Sal is saying. Sal. Well, there's some video reaction, but um, yeah, don't have anything. Yeah, and I'm not gonna listen to that. No, I don't. Gosh knows. I mean, obviously, it's 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 legal because they said it on W Fan, but yeah, Mets fans not happy. I can't imagine. Here's the weird thing, though. What if I told you that Craig Council has a job, and it's in Chicago, and it's with the Chicago Cubs? I will tell you what I told you. I didn't realize the Cubs had an opening. Thought they had a manager. Did think they had a manager. Well, the basically what we were getting from you know Jeff Passan and all those guys just before uh, j- just before it was announced, but also right after uh, the Mets announced Mendoza, he they they basically said he was going to a place that currently had a manager and or had an existing manager. And I thought, well, that's that's odd, but okay. Well, they were right. The Cubs fired David Ross and then hired Craig Council immediately. The 
contract is a five-year, $40 million contract, which is the highest salary for any Major League Baseball manager ever. Hmm. Today, we made the difficult decision to dismiss David Ross as our Major League Manager, President of Baseball Operations, Jed Hoyer said in a statement. On behalf of the Cubs organization, we express our deep gratitude for David's contributions to our club, both on and off the field. First as a player, then as a manager, David continually showcased his ability to lead. David's legacy will be felt in Chicago for generations, and his impact to our organization will stack up with the legends that came before him. My question is, Craig Council will be the highest paid manager in the history of Major League Baseball, and he's done nothing more than David Ross has ever done. Beyond that, Ross was under contract for next year, and the Cubs had an option for 2025. And I wonder what his buyout was on top of everything else, on top of the $40 million are, they're going to pay. Well, are those, are those contracts guaranteed? Now, that I don't I know. I think they are. Now, you could probably negotiate a smaller buyout, but... I, because NFL contracts, coaching contracts are guaranteed. So, like right now, the Raiders are play are paying Gruden, McDaniel's, and somebody new. Oh, it's the Raiders. So, I, I, well, I mean, I think it's the same in, in Major League Baseball. So this is this is getting interesting. In nine years with the Brewers, Council won three Central titles, went to the postseason five of the last six years, including obviously winning the division this year. Um, Did he ever advance? The Brewers, I don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you that, I mean, there I don't were think some, they were ever in, in an NLCS. I don't think so either. I, the 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 Brewers have had some talented teams and have done almost nothing with them. Uh, wildcard, DS, wildcard, wildcard, NLCS. In 18. That's it. And lost in seven to the Dodgers. The Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, man. That's an interesting hire. I, I don't know what makes... Craig Council, a better manager for the Chicago Cubs than David Ross. And I don't know why Craig Council takes that job over either staying in Milwaukee or taking the Mets. Well, $40 million. Well, Perhaps that's what he was asking for, and the Cubs were the only ones willing to pay it. Meanwhile, Stephen Vogt to Cleveland is a great, great, great pick. Based on what? Man, this guy, he has been one of the most heralded guys in dugouts. He's He's got player experience. He's, he's basically David Ross. But they're getting him. <laughs> you see what happened to him. <laughs> well, but, they're, but they're getting him at a good price. He's the kind of guy that can take over after a Terry Francona, and guys are going to like play. I mean, could you have hired a Buck Showalter? Sure. 
there's got to be something between Buck Showalter and Stephen Boat. Everybody wanted him. So why? Why did everyone want Stephen Boat? I don't know. That's that's wild to me. So you're talking about the Astros, the Angels, and who else remaining? Padres. Padres. Something got kicked up on Twitter last night regarding the Padres' financial situation, and things may be so dire that they wind up having to trade either Fernando Tatis or Juan Soto. That getting out was the worst possible thing to happen for the Padres. Well, especially while they're trying to hire a manager. Well, you're trying to hire a manager. And And if people know that you have to make a trade. Yeah. Alex Anthopoulos is fixing to fleece the Padres. You know, some, somebody said Juan Soto to the Braves, and I said, don't threaten me with a good time. No. We, I mean, Soto, we need a, we Harris, need a, Acuna. We need a left fielder. Oh, it, it fits. I'm I, in. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Y'all want some the hat. question is, what do you, what do you got to give up? What do the Braves have to give up? Not as much Juan as they Soto? would have to. Three days ago, we could give you more, but you can't pay them. <laughs> Would have gave you more, but we know you're desperate. Yeah, so, so yeah, you. yeah. Hey, here's your deal. <laughs> Take it or go bankrupt. <laughs> your choice. The choice is yours, and yours alone. <laughs> wow. I wonder how much that has to do with their Bally deal. Or their regional sports network. Mm, or their lack of valley deal. Lack of the valley deal. Yeah. Ooh. So, clearly, that's a problem. Anyway. That's craziness. Yes, it is. Meanwhile, Ron Weathers is smiling. He's like, yeah. Hey, my check cleared. <laughs> my check from the Marlins cleared. So Absolutely. Uh, let's take a break. Caleb Giroux is standing by. We need to get to him and talk a little Lady Vol. So stick around here on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn & Joint. We'll be right back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. 
Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Again, Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris, yeah, Mo Patton here on this Monday. A look back, but also a look ahead in this next segment, Mo, as we talk to the Daily Beacon sports editor out in Knoxville, Caleb Giroux, joining us here. And Caleb, what's up, my friend? Nothing much. Ready to get this busy time of the year started. How are y'all? Well, I'm glad you're ready. Because <laughs> I'm not. Um, hey, did I see you cover some high school football Friday night on top of it? Oh, yeah. I'm covering just about everything out here in Knoxville. Doing some high school football for five-star preps out here in East Tennessee. So, been driving around. Got to watch Central and Halls last week. And then this past Friday, watched uh, Sevier County in Central season. So, mm-hmm. staying busy. Yeah. That's awesome. Keeps you out of trouble. <laughs> um the U.S. women's national team last night came into the basketball facility at the University of Tennessee and um, handled the Lady Balls pretty well. Of course, it is the U.S. national team. What was what was Kelly's reaction to the way things went last night? Yeah, I don't think anybody was surprised that the U.S. national team handled Tennessee that easily. They hung with them, though, for the first quarter-ish, which was I thought was very surprising because I thought, like, the U.S. national team, just because they are the best of the best players, would be up, you know, 20, 30 pretty early on the Lady Balls. But something that stood out to me the most, really, was Rakia Jackson dropped 15 points on 50% shooting against the national team. So Let's go. It was – for her, it really was – she's somebody who wants to play in the WNBA. Everybody kind of knows that. For her, I would say it was basically like a professional tryout and – I would say she passed with that performance. So that's probably the biggest takeaway. Another thing, really, and something that Kelly Harper and Rakia Jackson both kind of pointed out, 
they out-rebounded the national team by one, which is very surprising considering how poor they rebounded early last season and how worried Kelly Harper was about rebounding coming into this year. So that's probably your two biggest takeaways. Other than that, I don't think anything was surprising that a massive U.S. national team was able to just shoot the lights out of the summit on the summit court in Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. Thank you for getting all that. Thank you. He had to take a break, had to take a, a drink of water after saying all of that because it's really helpful. <laughs> Yeah, repeat, that get, for me. repeat that for me because we're going to cut it out and, and just, just play, play it every whenever we have it. to discuss the building. It would be so on the summit in Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. That's okay. correct. All right. All right. Cool. We got to hit all the buzzwords. Yeah. You mentioned um, it being a tryout, a WNBA tryout for um, Rakea Jackson. And she certainly got the stamp of approval of um, Cheryl Reeve. Yeah, uh, Cheryl Reeve said she told her after the game that they'd be seeing her soon in the WNBA. And it's kind of surprising that you don't see Rakia in a lot of these WNBA draft projections right now near the top. Or For me, I feel like she'd be in the top five just watching her play. (laughs) Yeah, and and, – the U.S. national team head coach, Cheryl Reeve, who coaches the Lynx for the WNBA, said the same thing. Just, like, block out the noise. Don't worry about that because no matter where she's drafted, her skill set translates. And, I mean, she led all scores on um, Sunday night with 15. And, I mean, she shot 50%, and most of her misses came in the third quarter when they just couldn't get any bucket to fall. So, just all in all, I would say, like you said, she passed the tryout and I feel like she'll have a lot of success at the next level when she's done with this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's what's exciting for this particular Tennessee team is, you know, they've got some players, they've got some, some girls and some, you know, who can, who can make the, I guess who can take them to that next level, the next step, in in what should be a really exciting year yeah i would tend to agree the defense still is concerning with this team you know you have scores rakia jackson can score you pick up jewel spear and destiny wells out of the transfer portal both point guards who are proven scorers at belmont and wake forest and you bring those players in yet you give up over 70 points to carson newman and some of the defensive plays while you know they're testing out lineups and stuff so you got to give it the benefit of the doubt a little bit but the Carson Newman players at times are just able to run around Tennessee and get open looks. So that sort of stuff can't happen. Something that Kelly Harper pointed out last night as well is ten, uh, the U.S. national team shot almost 50% from three, but the problem was a lot of those were open looks. It wasn't like Diana Taurasi was hitting contested shots. I think she had three open looks from beyond the arc. So it's things like that. The defense will come back to bite them, and they just have to rebound consistently. But I don't think there's any reason to – doubt this team's scoring ability right now as you as you see south carolina drubbing notre dame is that one over yet scoring 100 points i don't know if it if it actually ended up being 100 but it was pretty darn close if not they're going to need to play some defense if they're going to be successful in the SEC because this is, you know, they're not even the best team in the SEC anymore. You've got LSU too. So 
How does this team feel like it stacks up in what I think is the best women's basketball conference in the country? Yeah, like you said, South Carolina, I was watching that game earlier. They're they're scary. And there were questions about if they could be able to reload after last year, and clearly they have. LSU is another team, like you said, you bring in Haley Van Lith. You still have Angel Reese. They have such a good room of point guards in Baton Rouge. Those two teams are going to be really hard to beat, and it starts with defense. I think if Tamari Key can get back fully healthy and you get used to certain trying certain lineups out or having certain players on the court together that can just defend, you don't have the size you had last year with Jordan Horson where she could just lock down whoever had the ball, but you can at least find somebody, and they don't have to play that good of a def- that defense. I mean, seriously, this team can score at will, it seems like. So you just have to slow them down enough. But, man, I don't know if anybody can beat South Carolina and LSU, and I am looking forward to when those teams match up. I think they match up in the regular season this year. They should at least. But even other teams in the SEC, Ole Miss is not bad this year. Yolanda down in Oxford is doing a good job. Florida is a super – is kind of a mix of young and veteran talent. They'll be a problem in the SEC. The conference is really deep, and the Lady Balls need to rebound and defend, which sounds like – fundamental basketball and something we hear Rick Barnes say every day, but the scoring is not an issue for this team right now. It's just going to be about holding other teams under 60 or 70. Don't you feel like Jillian Hollingshead? Hollingshead, yeah. Yes, thank you. Is going to be a factor, be more of a factor on this team maybe than she has been previously for UT? I would feel like it. You still look for some of the like intangible, just like strength and speed to kind of increase this year. But when I was talking to her at media day, she talked about how last year she was never fully healthy because as soon as she came out of the transfer portal to Tennessee, she was still recovering from that knee injury she suffered at Georgia. So now this year she's finally healthy. And she said the coaches are kind of trusting her more. So she's able to bring the ball up the court if she gets a rebound and then they can just go straight into the offense with her kind of running point almost. And she has those guard skills that's such a big size that you should see that translate. She was another player last night. She was second in scoring with eight points. The only thing is she was three for 10, which when you're going up against Brittany Griner, you don't expect to shoot well, but she had one shot just completely blocked by Griner on a fadeaway in the post. So I'm with you though, Mo. I think she should take a step forward and you can do a lot of interesting things with her. If you have her at the five, you can empty the paint and spread the floor and let a point guard like Destiny Wells or Jewel Spear drive. If you have her at the four, now she can also still pop out and do a lot of interesting things. So she's just another tool they can use in this offense as long as she does take that step forward from her production last year. Caleb Giroux joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. And, you know, Caleb, on the other side, a lot of folks think that Tennessee's men's team have a, has a chance at the Final Four. I don't know how much you've gotten to, to see it or be around them, but this feels like a really special basketball team shaping up for Rick Barnes. Yeah, I think you see Rick Barnes kind of accepting that the offense needs to go in a different direction with this team. You have Dalton Connect, who can stretch the floor probably at the three or four. You pick up Jordan Ganey out of the transfer portal, which coming from USC Upstate, I didn't think he was going to make that big of an impact. But against Michigan State, he looked amazing. You still have those scoring droughts, which you saw against Michigan State. But I think once you get Zakai Ziegler back fully healthy, which he's going to play some minutes tonight, you got Josiah Jordan James back. I mean, realistically, this team should be able to score 
a lot more than last year, and your defense should stay the same, just looking at the players you have on the floor. There's just a couple of questions. Like I said, Jordan Ganey coming from USC Upstate. His play translated well at Michigan State. Dalton Connect, when you get into the SEC, can a Colorado basketball guy who's kind of an undersized four, can he survive in the paint going against some of those SEC bigs? So you have questions like that, but I think that this should be the year they break the ceiling. The offense actually seems like it has some life in practices so far in the offseason. Every practice we've gotten to watch, Rick Barnes has been on fire, just lighting up Tobey, lighting up Jordan Ganey. More emotion than I've ever seen him coach with from watching practice. So I feel like this team should take a step forward this year for sure. How big do you think it is, Caleb, to get Zakai back this quickly, this early? I think just because of his personality and kind of that energy and spark that he brings to the team. Because you have capable point guards with Jemai Meshack and Jordan Ganey, but having a guy like Zakai back can keep – Jemai, every once in a while, tends to play too fast. I mean, you saw it even against Lenore Ryan, where on a couple times he was bringing the ball off the court, and he just got too fast and ahead of himself and turned it over to a Division II team. So having somebody like Zakai out there who can maybe not have – so you don't have to have Jemai carry or bring the ball off the court as much, or you have Zakai who can talk to Jemai on the court and just kind of be in the huddle and back to the flow or the normalcy that this team has. Because if you fill that point guard spot, I mean, you have so many capable bigs – from freshman all the way to fifth-year senior Josiah Jordan-James that can fill spots three through five, that as long as you have somebody who can run the offense and get them the ball and kind of lead on the court, then you should be all right. And I had a story come out today where I talked to Zakai, and he just talked about how his mentality and the way he watches the game of basketball has changed so much since his injury because he spent the whole end of last season and the summer tour on the bench. So he was talking with the coaches the whole time, Greg Polinski was somebody he bounced a lot of ideas off of. During the exhibition game, he sat next to Rick Barnes because Rick wanted to hear what he was saying. And Rick shared a story during that game that Jemai was passing up looks, passes to guys on the set that he was supposed to make. And when he came in the huddle, Jemai said he thought they were covered. But then from the sidelines, Akai and Rick both said that they were open. You just have to throw the ball. And I think just having that extra mental maturity I guess and Greg Polinski said Zakai is looking at the game now like chess and not checkers he understands what is happening more he understands why they're calling the plays so realistically I think once he gets on the court his play should be even better than last year it's just a matter of does he keep that same twitchiness and speed but mentally he should be a lot sharper and help lead this offense well sometimes being mentally sharper can certainly elevate your physical ability. So even if he doesn't have all of the physical ability, the increase in mental uh, strength, uh, I think, will will make him a force. And that's that's what you get when you have a guy who's played at the position for three years. You know, a, a guy who started, as, uh, who started as a freshman late his freshman year, I think that, that that makes a big difference. So I'm excited to see what Zakai has to – offer and what you know what this entire team has to offer i'm looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to talking with you again caleb uh here soon hopefully you and are you going to come up oh no indeed i'm not <laughs> thank god <laughs> i did that, i did not want to make that trip we're gonna say we're gonna budget some of that money and head over to chapel hill for basketball here soon so probably a be, good call but a lot, be, probably be a lot more fun and I'll be nice and warm in my house while Tennessee is in the 50 degrees and God knows how bad the wind chill will be. Exactly. 
So that was good a good call. That was a good call. Well, Absolutely. Enjoy watching it from the comfort of your home. We will talk to you again soon, man. All right. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kyle. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will hand out our Monstars as well as talk a little bit about some SEC stuff. So stick around Main Street Sports Day. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bond and Joint. Back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. To one bit, one person. Mo Patton in the Lee Company studio here. Time for. On stars of the week, and we will start now. Mo, I'll let you go first, and you know, so I don't steal anyone. <laughs> um, I don't think we have to worry about that. Um, Columbia Central lost up at Centennial 27 15. The Point spread prescribed by Chris Yao, apparently. 11 and a half is what I said. Okay. For entertainment purposes only, It right? was. Okay. All right. But um, Caden McCoy scored on a 72-yard reception and a 97-yard kickoff return, giving Central the lead with each of those scores in that loss. Um, 
he couldn't get much going on the ground because they were keying on him. But he was clutch when he had the opportunity. And for that, the senior is one of my monsters. All right. I'm going to go to East Robertson, Isaiah Groves, 177 yards and two touchdowns. That's 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 really good. Mm-hmm. But wait, there's more. But he did it on 10 carries. 177 on 10. <laughs> and twice to the crib. So, yeah. That's, that's a nice little 17.7 yards per yeah, carry. If you can get a, yeah, you, you can get a first down every time you more. touch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's going to, and score be... one out of every five that's touches. That's insane. Yes. That is insane. That'll work. That's so efficient. Efficient indeed. Uh, Justin? Uh, so I actually have a high school player uh, this week in mind. Right. I was doing uh, David Wilson's show. He was Robertson County sports reporter, and he was talking about a freshman quarterback, um, Xavier Murray. Um, let me see which school he is from. White House Heritage. White House. Mm-hmm. Yep, White House Heritage for two hundred nineteen for twenty nine. 266 yards, four touchdowns, um, and hung with the hung hung with the team they're playing. I can't remember who it was, but uh, they were right. And, and just, yeah, and just to be a, a freshman and and put up that performance, you know, gutsy yeah. to say the least. Well, it helps that he's the son of the coach. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, but yeah, Nine. 266 and a pair of touchdowns and a 58.42 loss. Was it- did he have four touchdowns? Yeah, four touchdowns. Two. One interception at the very end. Four touchdowns. Yeah, that'll help you. That, that's solid. Give you a chance anyway. That, that's a that's a solid close to a solid freshman year. So, yeah. Okay. Mo, number two? Number two. Um, Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis, 22 of 35 for 359 yards, had four total touchdowns. In Florida State's win at Pitt, he's slowly kind of putting himself on the fringe of that Heisman chase. I do believe. I think he is pretty solid in the top ten. Hmm. I, I feel like he's pretty solid in the top ten. Now, uh, we'll talk about that later. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Jacob Zeno of UAB coming off of injury, going 29 of 35 for 484 and five touchdowns against Florida Atlantic. That's solid. Nearly 500 yards and five touchdowns, and they needed every one of them too because they were up big at halftime, struggled in the second Florida half. Atlantic? Florida Atlantic's not bad. Uh, they're not great. But you know, they struggled in the second half, came back in the fourth quarter and got the game winning touchdown. So Jacob Zeno, UAB quarterback. Justin. Um, I'm sure this might have been one of y'all's, but uh CJ Stroud mm. coming in, mm. it. Five touchdowns, was it, I think? Let's see what this is. I don't know how many touchdowns, but four hundred and seventy yards. It was forty two point eight points on my bench, is what it yeah. was. Uh-huh. <laughs> This is the, this is the part that, eight points on my bench, and I got the part that blew my mind. Trash. Yeah, I had two, uh, 
is trash. He is he is a terrible fantasy quarterback. But mm-hmm. you got to remember that like Tony Romo was like the highest scoring fantasy quarterback for like five years in a row. So fantasy versus real life is a different world. But Patrick Mahomes not a good fantasy quarterback. <laughs> the thing that the thing that was crazy about this for me, also aside from the obvious stats, was his completion percentage was seventy one point four percent. Yeah, thirty of forty two. That's insane. 475 touchdowns. Talk about yeah. efficient. It's, it's, a, it's a good day. It was a great day even. Too bad he did it sitting on my bench. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Mo, number three. Staying in this Houston-Tampa Bay game. Um, Running back slash... Special teams ace Dare Ogunbowale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Well, that guy broke a 30 to 30 tie with eight minutes and some change left in the game when he kicked a 29 yard field goal. Now, he's not the kicker. That's right. He is not the kicker. He is not the kicker. Kami. Fairbairn had a quad injury, couldn't kick. A gumbo, a gumbo Wally, there we go, was the first player in the NFL not listed as, as a kicker as a, or a punter to hit a field goal in 19 years. And basically it was the difference in a 39-37 Texans win. Did they not have a kicker? Like what happened to their kicker? He injured his quad during the game, and oh. nobody has a, a second kicker on the roster. So um, I guess he did it in the first half because Agunbowale handled all the kickoffs in the second half. Now, apparently, he had played soccer, basketball, and track in addition to football in high school in Wisconsin. So it wasn't new to him. It was just due to D'Amico Ryan's and that bunch. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. 29-yarder. He'll take that. Especially on a win. No doubt. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to Washington. Dylan Johnson, 26 carries, 256 yards. That's 9.8 yards a carry, by the way. Four touchdowns and a 52-42 win over USC and made Caleb Williams cry. It, they did make Caleb Williams cry. It also made Lincoln Riley make a staff change. Rethink some things. That's mm-hmm. right. All right, Justin, finally. I got to go with our Knoxville spaceman, Mr. Joshua Dobbs himself, leading the Minnesota Vikings on his first going over the cadence of his snap count with the O-line on the sidelines before the game to driving down. No, not before the game. No, it was during During the game after the – after after dude got hurt. I don't know who – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they had no intention of him playing. Oops. I mean – Exactly. Good thing he did. First guy in the – or since 1921 to score a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown for two different teams in the same season. 
So. Poor Falcons. They don't have film on any new quor- any quarterback they play against. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> All right. That's their Monstars. Real quick, a couple of things out of SEC play. Number one, Jimbo Fisher and Billy Napier. Who makes it the longest? Mm. Mm. Now, see, there's a couple of different ways you got to look at that. Exactly. One is... Who gets it straightened out the quickest? Okay. Two is whose contract is more prohibitive for firing? So I think Jimbo has more security. I also think Jimbo is probably more likely to get it right. Well, he's got the talent. Mm -hmm. If Billy Napier were coaching Texas A&M, would they be better? Ooh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, because clearly the quarterback situation is a mess. At both places. I think Texas A&M has a quarterback of the future. Not sure who's going to (laughs) coach. So, I mean, I think there's – I don't know who makes it. I don't know if they either – I don't know if either one of them make it past the end of the year. I don't know. That would be two years for Napier and three for Jimbo, right? No, Jimbo is 69 games in. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, and he has yeah. a – and Kevin Sumlin has a three-game lead on him over 69 games. Ooh, that's not a good look. Not a good look for them. And at, now, and at some point, again, somebody's going to realize that. Again, if it matters, Kevin Sumlin wasn't a bad football coach. The expectation for Kevin Sumlin were not – Texas A&M were not Realistic. nearly as high. I don't mm. think they were as high as Jim, but they didn't can have Kevin, Kevin Sullen a national championship ring that said whatever year, mm-hmm. 2000 blank. And yet, well, and Kevin he Sumlin exceeded did. expectations while Jimbo is under. Grossly under, yeah. So. But you got to write, you got to write Jimbo a check. 70 million plus. But when you're talking about oil money. When when you want me going and what door you want me to go out. Exactly. We'll talk about him later, too. Uh, I don't know who makes it the longest. Anyway, both of their seats are on fire. Mm. Absolutely on fire. <laughs> um, did Jalen Milrow play his way into the Heisman conversation? No. Why not? Because you kind of feel like it's probably Michael Penix's to lose at this point. Most everybody else has Jaden Daniels at the top of the list. Now, I don't know if he knows where he is today. Or, <laughs> or any list for that. Mm. I don't think Jalen Milrow played his way. I will say this. I, I think Jalen Milrow, when he realized that being a pocket passer was going to end his career and made a conscious decision to learn how to run the read option, became an exponentially better quarterback. I think he's a really good quarterback. I think Alabama's going to end up in that in, in the college football playoff now. And I never would have thought that pre-USF. But LSU's defense is horrid, atrocious. Pitiful. 
one of the worst in the country. So anything anybody does against them, I'm putting on an island that where the Tennessee-Florida game goes. <laughs> Take it in a vacuum. So that's why I don't think. I think he would have to. I think he would have to do that again against a Georgia, a legitimate or, SEC defense, right? In order to play his way into the Heisman conversation, I don't think he's anywhere near the top. Well, and I and, and I think the opportunities for him to do that are going to be too late. Correct for him to make up the ground in the Heisman well, yeah, because he's they, gonna have to make they don't up. play anybody between now and the SEC championship game of any consequence. I think they have what Mississippi State, Chattanooga, and Auburn. Okay. <laughs> and then Heismans aren't one against them. Imagine, is what if, you're imagine if Georgia loses to Ole Miss and then to Tennessee and either Tennessee or Missouri is in Atlanta. Atlanta. Then what? Yeah, it just does. I I don't think it's near the top five no. at this point. But but I mean, people are people are talking. I just don't think they're think <laughs> they're talking very intelligently. Um, Coacheshotseat.com has Jimbo at number three, three, and Napier at number six. That's yeah, on fire. Pittman at number five. Yeah, Sam Pittman's up there. He just beat Billy Napier though. So in games. Mm, yeah, it was. So there you go. Dave Aranda at eight. Guy I went to high school with is a Baylor graduate, and I saw something on his Facebook earlier today, and it was <laughs> not complimentary. If you can't compete in this Big 12, you got problems. But they're, what, two years removed from a Big 12 championship game appearance? Mm -hmm. Let's calm down. You're Baylor. You're Baylor. <laughs> Let's calm down for just a second. Pump the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and speaking of brakes, let's take one because Jerry McCormick on the other side with his daily Titans report right after this. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. update with Terry McCormick here on Main Street Sports today. Terry? Good job, guys. It is your Zen Sports Titans report. 
coming to you daily and brought to you by Zen Sports. Guys, uh, just to put a good old country saying to the term, uh, the Titans' offensive line situation seems to just get worser and worser. <laughs> we report out that uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer is going to need surgery on his shoulder, and that's something that's going to put him out for an extended period of time, perhaps the rest of the season. So, he had come in, had played the left tackle spot until Chris Hubbard got hurt with a concussion, and he went back to right tackle. Now, he's out, and Hubbard supposedly is close to coming back, so the musical chairs continues on that offensive line, which saw four different guys go out at various times in the game uh, Thursday night in Pittsburgh. I'm told that Daniel Brunskill is, you know, banged up as well, but He's planning on playing through his injuries, but uh, it still doesn't solve the tackle spot where they may be forced to go back with Andre Dillard unless they decide they want to try Dylan Radins or, heaven forbid, move Peter Skowronski, who was a, an All-American left tackle in college, out to the left tackle. <laughs> Terry, I am convinced that either Nissan Stadium or St. Thomas Sports Park, I'm not sure which, is built on an Indian burial ground, unbeknownst to anyone. May possibly be. You know St. Thomas Sports Park actually was built on a uh, former landfill. So there you have it. There you have it. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. But, you know, this offensive line situation, I mean, that – Everything starts right there. You know, I mean, excuse me. That's where, you know, Ryan Tannehill got hurt. Now you're putting Will Levis out there. If you're going forward with him, which everybody kind of believes that they should, are you going to be able to protect him and keep him upright? Because if he's your future franchise quarterback, you certainly don't want him getting out there thrown to the wolves and and, uh, putting himself in harm's way behind this makeshift offensive line that really has not gotten a lot better since the start of the season. I think everybody knew or just from watching practice and training camp that this could be a problem. Uh, when when guys like and, – and you guys, you see how average the defense has turned out to be with the pass rush. Guys like Arden Key and, and uh, Harold Landry and all were winning – almost every rep against those offensive tackles in camp. So you could kind of see it on the horizon uh, bubbling up to be a problem area for the Titans, and it certainly has become that. Don't you have to be concerned, Terry, with the state of the offensive line as you are making this decision on Will Levis? I mean, David Carr is real. Yeah. You absolutely have to be. You don't want to get the guy shell-shocked. You don't want to get him in a situation where he becomes gun-shy. Right now, he's staring down the gun barrel and letting it rip. And part of the reason the offense has improved, guys, is this. Will Levis has such a strong arm, he's able to throw without his feet being completely set. He can make an off-balance throw off of his back foot and still put it on target a good part of the time whereas Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis don't have nearly as strong an arm. They have to be able to step into throws and push off and, you know, get and get that type of uh, 
force behind the throw in order to get there with some juice. And this offensive line is just not capable of giving them that time consistently. So the one thing that Will Levis has, that arm strength and that ability to throw without his feet being set. Now, granted, that can lead to bad habits too. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Do you put this guy out there because he currently gives you the best chance to win? Or do you try to protect him until you can get uh, better weapons uh, to protect him uh, coming next season? But I, I think the need for the playing experience outweighs the risk of having him shell shock because confidence wise, he doesn't seem to be that type of guy. Uh, if you if you start to see it coming, then maybe you pull back the reins. But you know, this offensive line is that's priority number one. It has to get fixed. I mean, the left tackle situation is a complete mess. Think about it. When this team first got here, Brad Hopkins was at left tackle. He was in the middle of his career, and he played six or seven years as a Titan after having been oiler for about that long. Then Michael Roos came in, manned the position very well, and then when Roos was at the end of his career, that's when they drafted Taylor Lewan, and he took over the position, played it for nine years. But now... They did not draft a competent replacement for Taylor Lewan, and look where they are. <sighs> look where they are. Terry, it's not a great place to look at, so we're going to just ask you to tell us about Zen Sports. Gladly. Certainly better news with Zen Sports. Nashville, you've been hearing me talk about Zen Sports, the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive $1,000, no danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your first bet up to $1,000 maximum if the bet loses. And there's even more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. The new VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with a 24 Seven top tier customer support and faster withdrawals like Zen Sports. So, what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 889 9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. It's... 
It's the biggest racing show of the year, Friday through Sunday, November 3rd through 5th at Nashville Fairground Speedway. Six fast-paced divisions of racing on the quarter mile Friday night. Pole qualifying in three big feature events Saturday night. And the Curb Records Big Machine Vodka Spike Coolers Fall American 400 on Sunday afternoon. Racing starts at 6.30 Friday, 5 o'clock Saturday, and 1 o'clock Sunday. Tickets available at NashvilleFairgroundSpeedway.Racing or at the gate on race day. It's the 39th All-American 400 weekend, Friday through Sunday, November 3rd through 5th. Get your tickets now. Back now here in the Lee Company studio on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Chris Yao, yeah, Maurice Patton, and we are now talking a little bit about the Memphis Grizzlies, as we have with us the Daily Memphians, Drew Hill joining us. Drew, what's up, man? What's up, guys? How are you? Doing well, man. Appreciate you taking some time with us today. Congratulations to the Grizzlies. Finally, um picking up their first win of the season over the weekend in the second game of a two-game set with Portland. And um, obviously, Drew, you knew it was going to be tough sledding for this team early on when they weren't going to have John Morant for the first 25 games. But then you learn right at the season's onset that you're not going to have Steven Adams either. Um, and so they're kind of forced to retool on the fly, and the result of that has kind of been one and seven. What have you seen out of this team to this point that, you know, makes you feel like maybe this win was the beginning of a turnaround, or have you seen anything that makes you think that? I mean, I'm not sure. I think it's it's really easy to get kind of caught up in the way that this team has performed each of the last two years. Uh, finishing second in the Western Conference, winning 50-plus games. And then looking at the current roster now, this is just not the same team. It's it's not the same team. Um, you had seasoned veteran role players, whether that be DeAnthony Melton or Kyle Anderson or Tyus Jones on those other teams. You can't keep all of those players. I think Zach Kleiman did what he felt was best. Uh, they gave Brandon Clark an extension. They gave Steven Adams an extension. Those are the two guys that end up getting hurt, and now they're done for the season in addition to Jaws 25-game suspension. And you're trying to make the most of a very bad situation for the most part. Um, if there's good news, it's that Desmond Bain has been incredible. He's looked great in every game. Um, Jaron Jackson's been very good still. He's looked uh, terrific and played uh, amazing defense last night again. Um, you do have a little bit more depth in the front court now because you got Santi Aldama back. And that's, I mean, it's wild to think about it, but it's true. Like the Grizzlies desperately needed Santi Aldama to come back from an ankle injury to help them in the summer, like the beginning of the season. You would have never said that last year. You would have never believed that had I tried to, to had that been sort of a narrative. And then you add Bismack Biombo. Yeah, they, they won last night. Um, it took a, 12-point comeback in the fourth quarter to do it. They showed some resolve. They had a little bit of momentum. Maybe that carries you, but the truth is, just look at the roster. This is going to be tough. This is going to be tough sledding until they get John Morant back at, at, after game 25. Does John Morant fix it? 
Not everything, but I think he fixes some of your biggest problems, if not your biggest problem. The biggest problem for the Memphis Grizzlies so far this season has been when Desmond Bain comes out of the game, the momentum just whatever the team has looked like over the last 10 minutes, you can throw it out the window because they look lost. They have not looked comfortable. They're playing a lot of young players that can't uh, aren't difference makers yet in their career. They're trying to space out minutes between Desmond Bain and Marcus Smart, which I think is smart, but Marcus is still kind of trying to find his footing in, in Memphis. So that makes things a challenge. And Marcus is such an aggressive player that, you know, you, you have to take some turnovers with the way that he plays, but it's really hard when he doesn't have steady pieces around him. It makes it, I think, a lot more difficult on him. Um, so there's a lot of, of, of problems there. And the bench production has been really poor. Uh, I mean, before last night when they scored 31 points, I think they had 13 points uh, against Utah off the bench, and then they had something like nine point or nine points when Taylor Jenkins pulled the starters against Utah, excuse me, and then like 13 points in that first game against Portland. Like the bench has been a mess. Well, now you have two creators. You have Desmond Bain and John Morant. You space their minutes no matter who's on the floor with them. You always have one guy that you know you can give the ball and let him go get a shot. I think that makes a huge difference for the Grizzlies. Is Ja going to fix the fact that they're giving up a ton of offensive rebounds? No. Is Ja going to fix the fact um, that some of these bench players that the Grizzlies are having to run out there because of injuries don't always look comfortable or, or are still young or maybe just aren't the same level of role players as some of the veterans they've had in the past? No, Ja's not going to fix that either. So this team's going to have problems. Um, but I think he can fix their biggest problem, which is they can't put a lineup out there for a full 48 minutes where you know you have one guy on the floor that can go get you a bucket. And they can fix that when they have John Dez both available. Yeah, you know, obviously in, in this world of the NBA, you don't necessarily have to have a five but you've got to have somebody who can get in there and mix it up. And that's what, you know, Jaron Jackson has been giving you to this point. But that being said, you know, this team is in a really precarious situation because do you essentially just feel like punting this year is, is the way to go or does it, or, or do you look, do you, do you reassess that at game 25? I think, I, guess. I think you assess it at game 26. Um, but I I say punting this year is pretty much a bad choice no matter what. You have a three-year window right now where you know you have John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. all signed, and they will all be together. I think we are a little guilty uh, just as sports fans and sports media of looking at teams and thinking towards the future and going, wow, look at that young core. Like this team is undoubtedly, they, they have a championship in their future. When, as we've seen in sports and particularly the NBA, which is such a star-driven league, you just don't know what can happen to some of these teams. These teams cycle in and out of being contenders to rebuilding all the time. Um, you see it happen all the time. I mean, look at what happened with Houston most recently, you know? Um, so I think that, you can't take this for granted and 
I would be a little surprised if they didn't try to make a move to better set themselves up for the future um, at some point this season. Now, I don't think that you're going to see that happen now. I think when you look at the way that most of these contracts are structured, like you know, Bismack Miyambo, who they signed to a, a deal worth $1 million, but can be worth up to $5 million. That was intentional, right? They signed him to that contract. They could have paid him the veteran minimum, and he, he didn't have another job, so he would have taken it, right? But they didn't because they know, okay, if we set it up this way, then come February 1st, as we get closer to the trade deadline, now we have another trade, uh, a contract that we can get rid of, that we can use to get a, a player of significance back. I, this team has positioned itself to make a move. They've positioned themselves – you know, they, they got Dylan Brooks to do the sign-and-trade. They got a $7 million trade exception. They signed Bismack Biombo to a, a contract where he's, you know, a, a tradable piece. They, they've positioned themselves to try to make a run. And I think punting when you ha- only have a three-year window that you're completely guaranteed is just a bad idea in general. I Maybe that's somebody that, you know, obviously if, when the Grizzlies are successful – I'm more successful. More people read. More people care about the team, right? You, if you've ever been in my shoes, you would understand. You don't want to cover an 0-17. Thank, thank goodness they're 1-6. Um, but I, I just I don't think that punting on a season when you have three superstars is ever a good, good idea. That was a long way of getting to that, but that's how I feel. <laughs> well, Biombo and, and, and Jaron Jackson on the floor last night created some issues offensively for Portland. And if that can continue, you know, obviously the name of the game is scoring points, but the more stops you get, the fewer points you have to score. So, you know, obviously, uh, you know, trying to find a way to make defense your specialty is a uh, perhaps a recipe for success until Ja gets back. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree. This is a team that's been very good defensively each of the last two seasons. But they've also followed a trend of, you know, they start the season slow defensively. They're outside of that top five mix. Um, Steven Adams is obviously a big part of this defense, so losing him is a bit of a blow. But they've gotten better every single year defensively as the games have sort of gone along. Um, I would expect a little bit of the same this year. And they're trying to implement a new offensive system. They have a new – assistant coach Patrick St. Andrews, who's kind of putting that uh, that in place now. So the, they're a little out of sync. And I also think that, you know, some of the rebounding problems are, are complicating defense because and offense, frankly, because you have more players that need to crash the glass because you don't have bodies of significant size that you can run out there because you just have too many injuries right now. And that plays a big impact. But individually, they have very good defensive players. They, Marcus Smart individually is a very good defensive player. Jaron Jackson individually might be the best defensive player in the entire NBA. Uh, and Bismack Biombo has a history of being a good defensive player. They really like what Zaire Williams does off the ball. They have talent, especially on that side of the floor. They have to find a way to sort of bring those guys together and make it work as a unit. But I have a lot of faith, actually, that that's going to happen because we've seen it happen each of the last three years. I guess uh, I, I guess the, the the most 
concerning thing is that Portland is probably going to end up being the worst team in the league, and you just lost one of those games and needed a 24-2 run to win. So I don't know. But that being said, you just kind of have to take the momentum and you know, and go into the next game and try to, now that they've got that first win, try to build on it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if this if this is a momentum swing uh, for this team. But I'm not I'm not certain that this is how it's going to uh, to work out. I mean, this is a team that's very young with a lot of players that are capable but haven't shown much yet. If this is the win that gets them over the hump, maybe I'll be a little bit surprised. But I think there's more opportunities coming up, particularly Wednesday against Miami. Should be fun. Uh, Drew Hill, Daily Memphian, following Drew Hill underscore DM here on Twitter. Uh, Drew, again, it's good. It's been a tough seven games, probably going to be another tough, what, 18 to go. <laughs> but that being said, I look forward to, to kind of seeing what they're, what the Grizzlies are able to do and, and, and reading the Daily Memphian in that time frame and we appreciate you taking some time with us today man yeah thanks hey you guys need something grizzlies in your backdrop here i'm not seeing any we got yeah we do we don't have anything right now yeah and and we we might have to send something out to nashville we're we're gonna have to hey come on with it yeah tell tell um tell tell my mic check to um drop something in the mail for us yeah okay mike wallace just i'll let him know and i see the alabama helmet down there you guys know i'm an alabama grad we had a big win this weekend so roll tide (laughs) well congrats to 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 you guys for making the the final four in the in the playoffs so oh i don't know about that quite yeah just just wait it's coming (laughs) thanks appreciate it man thanks bro all right we are going to take a break nfl reactions We'll, we'll we'll circle back from Terry back to the NFL and talk a little bit about CJ Stroud. And we'll talk a little bit about Josh Dobbs and the Ravens and the Dolphins and much, much more. So stick around right after this on Main Street Sports Today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. 
and it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Time now to... Do a little reacting to the weekend of the National Football League. And Justin mentioned him earlier, Josh Dobbs with the performance of the mm. weekend. I feel like if for nothing else, just the absurd situation that he was in to be able to, you know, to, to kind of, take that team and put him on his back as he has done in so many times elsewhere. And he put him on his back and rallied himself because early on, as you might expect from a guy who wasn't expected to play, he struggled. And I think he lost a fumble. I don't think he threw an interception, but I mean, he had some stuff not go his way early on in that ball game. After he came in for um, Jaron Hall. And, um, you know, I, I just thought it was great just for the fact that he was in, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in his hometown, basically getting done what he was getting done yesterday. I thought that was really cool. But yeah, Josh, Josh played really well at times. He, he did struggle, but I mean, you, you expect that from a guy who, you know, is having to process so much information. That being said, I'm not sure there's another quarterback more capable of processing information you know, the way that Josh Dobbs can. He's a rocket scientist. for goodness sake. I mean, you go to his, Twitter account and it says certified rocket scientist. Well, I, I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. <laughs> that's, un that's unfortunate, but I mean, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, so 
he was traded Tuesday at the deadline mm-hmm. by the Cardinals. Um, and I guess with Kirk Cousins going out with that Achilles, the Vikings looked around the league and I had thought on Monday night that Jameis Winston was going to be the guy from the reactions and the conjecture on Twitter. Uh, apparently Jacoby Brissett was, was a possibility as well, but it, it was ultimately Dobbs that they traded for, and this is his fifth team in two years. Crazy. It really doesn't seem like it, but yeah, I mean, Steelers, Browns, Titans, Titans. Cardinals, and now Vikings. Man, great job. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, there's a tweet that says, um, he didn't even know some of his teammates' full names today. He said that's for next week. Didn't need to. As long as they're wearing a white jersey, we're good. That's my guy I throw to him. Yep. Or I just run it. Did a lot of that, too. Did a lot of that. And it worked out really well. Just making plays, man. Make plays. Speaking of making plays, C.J. Stroud, as I mentioned earlier, made some plays. Just a fantastic uh, outing, leading most folks boards for rookie of the year he's had some ups and downs but his ups have been really up and his downs have just been kind of so-so they've not been like just horrible Mm -hmm. now obviously they lost to carolina last week but that's not you can't put everything on the quarterback and so you know cj stroud showing why the titans tried to trade up to get him, showing why everybody you know, kind of felt like he was QB1. And that being said, Bryce Young was QB1. And if you put the two together, it's not even close in production for this year. Well, and it's – they were playing each – no, Texans were playing well, Tampa Bay yesterday. They played each other last week, right? Bryce, te- Bryce did win. But – I mean, numbers-wise, when you look at the two, not even close. C.J. Stroud is easily, uh, you know, better on paper Mm -hmm. right now. So, got to be impressed with him and scared if you're a little bit, if you're a Titans fan. I I mean, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, it's going to be a great quarterback division here in the next couple of years, I got a feeling. So long as the Titans can sure up around them. Same thing with the, you know, the difference between C.J. Stroud and Will Levis right now is that Shaq Mason and Laramie Tunsil are blocking his backside. Yeah. And Shaq Mason would have looked really good in two-tone blue. Well, and, and maybe, well, if that's the case, we probably don't draft Skaronsky, but, you know, it'd be nice to play the All-American left tackle. At left tackle? At left tackle. You know, someone said to me on Twitter, that clearly the coaching staff has seen what they're going to see out of Skaronsky in practice. And, you know, and so they don't feel comfortable putting him there. I said, well, forgive me if I don't trust this coaching staff's offensive line (laughs) talent evaluation. Hmm? I'm sorry. You've not Dylan. You, 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 You could have omitted offensive line. Well, 
I mean, I feel like they they know where their talent is. They just it's either hurt, you know. But I mean, you're you're telling me that Dylan Radins, who every time he comes into the game is better than whoever he replaced, can't play left tackle for you. I, and if he can't. Peter Skaronsky, who, you know, dominated the Big Ten at left tackle, can't play left tackle in the NFL. Come on. And here's the thing. Prove it. Prove it. Yeah. I mean, what do you got to lose? As long as you're grasping at straws anyway, why not grasp at the all-American left tackle? Are we that I mean, worried how, about how, the guard position? How much worse can he be? How much worse can he be? And don't tell me about short arms. I, I it's the last thing on the list of things I'm worried about. I mean, unless he's out there like this. Yeah, unless he's T Rex and yeah. <laughs> then I, I mean, I, I feel like he can extend his arms. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, perhaps his feet are good enough. He doesn't need to extend his arms. You know, I prove it. That's all I'm asking. But anyway, the Ravens coming for that number one spot looked really good. The, the, the Titans lost to the Ravens right now looks a lot better today than it did you know, at the time two, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, the Ravens are, are, are looking like they may actually be in the running for the number one seed obviously the AFC is a little you know dicey obviously with the Chiefs up there but I mean seven and two I mean if it's not the Ravens it's the Chiefs yeah I mean it's it's the Ravens and Chiefs and I mean and that's, it. that's it yeah I mean the Dolphins at six and three <clears> but they're zero and three against teams with winning records they're six and zero against teams with, with losing records. Zero and three against teams with winning records. Which I mean, that's something to be said for being six and zero against teams with losing yeah, records. Be, because it, at least you're beating the people you're supposed to. And, and, and not everybody and does it. And all three losses are on the road. So there's that. And they're going to win their division because the Jets, Bills, and Patriots all suck. Patriots lost again yesterday, didn't they? Patriots lost again yesterday. Bills lost last night. Uh, the Jets, what, do they play tonight? Yeah, the Jets do they? Tonight. They're on a three-game win streak, though. They started out one and three. Now they're four and three. I didn't put it on the rundown. That's my That is your bad. Yes, Chargers-Jets. So. 7-15 ABC slash ESPN. The three and four Chargers and the four and three Jets just signed me up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. This was this was definitely supposed to be Justin Herbert versus Aaron Rodgers, and that's not what we got. Uh, but yeah, I mean the Ravens are going to win their division going away. The Steelers, Browns, and Bengals are really good, but all four of them. I mean, they would be your three wild cards right now. Right I now, believe. So. Uh, right <laughs> now they would in fact be your three wild cards. So it's it's something, but the Ravens look really good. The Dolphins, however, again, struggle against teams with winning records. They lost 31-17 to the Dolphins. They lost 48-20 to the Bills. 
And that's, I mean, and then of course the Chiefs lost yesterday, 21 14. It's not great. Did you see my tweet about the Eagles? I don't know that I did. The the Eagles defense is basically Georgia's front seven and Middle Tennessee State's defensive backfield. Make of that what you will. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Bulldogs, Blue Raiders. It's not necessarily a bad thing, clearly. Got the win last night over the Cowboys. And Kevin Byer did get initiated into that rivalry a little bit. Oh, yeah. Got pushed off a pile, went to push the guy back and didn't didn't fare well. Oh. <laughs> Did not fare well. That's unfortunate. So anyway, yeah. Let's uh let's let's talk a little bit about college football. Let's take a break and come back because uh, Justin in your direct messages on Twitter you will find a video Let's try to play that when we come back, and we'll talk a little college football right after this on Main Street Sports Day. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. He's got time. Dead to the end zone. Tipped away. Did he get it? Oh, he did. What a snag. Touchdown. Roberts. Ball game. Martin wins it. Tipped and caught. So Roberts for the win. And depending on what happens next week, you know, we may have a three-way tie for that conference lead. 
Unbelievable. Here comes the throw. It's tipped up. Oh, he's oh. that clean. Unreal. What a catch. Man, what, what a what a play. What a way to lose a ball. What man. a way to lose. What a way to win. I mean, that's just irresistible. That is a that is a great irresistible. <laughs> that is a fantastic job there by the wide receiver to stay uh, stay in contact with the football. Yeah, and and find it to win. Of course, it was third and eight, so they would have had one more shot, or they maybe may have kicked the field goal, I guess, to tie. But man, what a way! Congrats to UT Martin as they keep their OVC title hopes alive. Other things around college football. Michigan didn't cover, but they did blow out Purdue. How do you feel about it? I mean, I just feel like, and and it's a tough thing to say, but but I think most of college football will be Ohio State fans here in a few weeks. I think it's Purdue. And and, and they with lost or without their, signs, they lost their coach. They lost their their quarterback from last year. They're just not a very good football team. Mm -hmm. And and so Michigan infinitely more talented than Purdue. I think we'll know a lot more next week on Big Noon Kickoff when Michigan and Penn State play in Beaver Stadium with no signs. So we'll find out. You know, I'll be interested to see, but I. I don't know. I don't know how much we could learn from Michigan blowing out Purdue. Either way, they play Penn State at Penn State. They play at Maryland, and then they finish up at home against Ohio State. And Maryland is so bad right now. And weren't they? Weren't they good early? They were like four or five and zero. Oh That's what I thought at one point. And they have not won since. They were undefeated, and then once they lost, they have not won. So that's that's wild. Um, I hate that for Michael Oxley. Yeah, and and for Talia Tungvaloa. Um, who was it that they lost? Was it Ohio State that they lost to? Was that their first loss? Yes, I think so. I think Ohio State beat them, and then they lost to like Illinois, mm -hmm. and then they lost to Northwestern. Western. Penn State. <laughs> they got they got Nebraska this week. Well, Nebraska's five and four. I mean, Nebraska's on the verge of of a bowl, and probably got a little screwed this weekend on some uh, on a couple replay miscues. So, you know, it's interesting. But yeah, I mean Nebraska's ne Nebraska's playing for a bowl game. They got a lot to be playing for in in you know in Memorial. So they were five and zero, oh, like you said. They beat Towson, Charlotte, Virginia, beat Michigan State. They were blowing and, folks out. Mm -hmm, beat Michigan State thirty-one to nine. Beat uh, Indiana forty-four seventeen. I mean, blowing folks out. It wasn't like they were beating bad teams really close. Mm -hmm. They were they were they were showing well. And then out of nowhere, Ohio Maybe State I'll, broke them. Ohio State broke them. Yeah. It was, it was just. Because Illinois beat them by three in College Park. Yeah. And then Northwestern by a touchdown at Northwestern. So. 
just no. nuts. Mm -hmm. But anyway, USC, as you mentioned earlier, has made a coaching change in their defensive uh, coaches' room. The yeah, coordinator, the coordinator. Uh, Alex Grinch has been relieved of his duties. Did he come over with with Riley? I assume I think so. he did. I think he came over with Riley from Oklahoma. Uh, Coach Otone, right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for a defensive coordinator, well, he's I mean, pretty darn good. And he, he, he did a pretty good job when he was at Southern Cal. I'm just saying, Coach. Of course, I mean, if, if, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I might be careful bringing Coach O back <laughs> to USC. Might be looking for a job himself. Well, and, and maybe they don't miss twice. Because <laughs> they probably should have hired him the first time. I think they should have. Hey, that's, that's, you know. Who are we? What do we know? Well, uh, yeah, it, USC just not very good right now. Uh, seriously, they're just that they, they are struggling on defense. And, and now, obviously, against good teams, don't get me wrong. Was Washington very very good? But I mean, you're USC. You got to win those games. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're getting paid Lincoln Riley to win those games. And this is a team that, I mean, again, they've got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. They had high hopes in their final season in the Pack X. So um, <clears throat> the Athletic has an article up speculating a potential Grinch replacements. Mm -hmm. One wild card. According to who wrote this? Bruce Feldman. One wild card. Zach Arnett, Mississippi State head coach. Okay, so you know, <laughs> I spent almost a decade at San Diego State. Four and five this year, uphill climb to reach bowl eligibility, and he's working for an AD who didn't hire him. And who I hear could be in the market to hire his own guy. It's a lot of buyout money to pay, but I guess they could do it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, if you're, he gets you're fired. He's a great, he's a great pick. You're miss well, and he might just decide to get out before he does get fired. I mean, if if the tea leaves are reading that way, but my question is, again, as we are so fond of saying on this show, you're Mississippi State. And it's year one after, you know, he's trying to put in a completely different system because he wasn't a, he wasn't an air raid guy. So everybody they've got there is air raid kids on offense. They're just, I mean, you've got to give them time, right? Apparently not. Apparently not. Jesse Minter, maybe getting out of Michigan before the getting's good. Mm. Uh Will Muschamp? Coach, where is it? Georgia as the co-defensive coordinator. You know they they've got they, he. You know and, I don't. Glenn Shulman share responsibility. I don't know if he wants to go west. I mean he's why not? Texas is as far west as he's ever been, right? Yeah, but why not? He may not want to go out west. He may not want to go to the Big Ten. That's true. The Big Ten's a different animal. Yeah. 
It's it. It's certainly a name. He's a great defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's a great defense coordinator. Head I mean, coach, not so much. Here's the thing: great defense coordinator. I would take Will Muschamp in Knoxville if he wasn't Will Muschamp. Like I mean, you give me, you give me a guy who's done everything that he's done. But isn't him? <laughs> but isn't him? You know. What you get against Coach Boone? Come on now. I, the fact that we could not beat him no matter what. Well, so now you don't have to worry about beating him because he's coaching for no, you. No, 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 no. See, that's the Dan Ugla effect. effect. He, 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 now, I know he, you're not getting ready to slander Dan Ugla in his hometown. Listen, man, I've said it a hundred times. It just is what it is. Braves killer out of the program. Braves killer in the program. I'm just saying. <clears throat> I'm just saying. We'll always have the 36-game hitting streak. Well, all 33. Whatever it was. Yeah. But and still didn't hit over 250. (laughs) Oh, Oklahoma State takes Bedlam. Mm. Did they have some help? I don't know. I didn't see it. What happened? Oh, man. Uh, Just don't, whatever you do, don't search uh, Bedlam pass interference. Oh, Lord. Let's just say Oklahoma. Did the Cowboys get by with one? uh, More. Or more than one? (laughs) Bedlam pass interference? Don't look that up, right? This was was Alabama. (laughs) This was, (laughs) this was, don't, if if something's happening, don't even pretend to reach for your flag. It was just, just stand and watch and whatever happens, happens. I mean, it, it was bad but <laughs> uh, here's the thing oklahoma state's going to going to the championship game at this point so that five-way tie got broken huh a little bit what is it I oklahoma think, state and texas i think there's i think i think there's still one more let's see i think it's uh no it is yeah it's oklahoma state and texas kansas kansas state and oklahoma all four and two so, where's Iowa State? Did they lose this weekend? They must have. Yeah, I think they did in the Black Unis, which oh, is unfortunate. That's oh. oh, they lost to Kansas. There you go. Yep, Texas and Oklahoma State. And, and and look, I mean, Oklahoma State, that's who they want, right? That That's who the Big 12 wants. And their three games remaining are UCF, Houston, and BYU. They're going. And like I said, a team that lost by 20-plus points to South Alabama is going to play for the Big 12 title. That's what they want. What if Texas beats Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship? How? How? What do you mean how? They literally just showed you they are willing to do whatever it takes for Oklahoma State to win. They just did. Oh, so you're human. <laughs> Ray Charles might as well be the head official. They can't call everything back. Well, I guess Texas could have helped score my but if they yeah. but if they but if Oklahoma if State's willingly close. pass interference on every single pass and they don't throw any flags. <laughs> Gotta you can't catch it if you're laying on the ground after you get tackled. Well, I'm, and I'm, 
and I guess I guess the commissioner set the tone from the jump, right? From the jump. I'm just. Saying. I had I had I was not thinking along those lines, and yeah, <laughs> they just Oof. they just proved it. Oof. So Man. I'm just saying that's what they want. I I mean, and and look, Ooh. Mike Gundy is Big Twelve, Mister Big Twelve through and through, and you know, ready mm. to kick everybody out. You know, all this, that, and the other. He's he's their guy. Mm. And, wow. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I see what you're saying. It took me a minute to get there. So anyway. Um. Yeah, Big Twelve is a little crazy. Clemson upsets Notre Dame, like we all expected, right? I guess Clemson's going to go bowling after all. What are they? Five and now may, five and they're four five now. and four now. They may be the the weed eater bowl, but yes, it, it, you know who they got left. Who does Clemson have? Well, they got South Carolina, Carolina. North Carolina, and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech a 18-point underdog to open at Clemson. And that's silly, right? Well, especially the way they've been playing here. Yeah. Late. I mean, I know it's North Carolina and Virginia, but still, it was at North Carolina. Yeah. It was at Virginia. Now, Virginia's not very good. But they beat them 45-17. Now, I mean, there are some teams that have struggled with Virginia. I'm just saying. 18 points. 18 points is a little silly. <laughs> but whatever i mean georgia tech's four and two in the acc like they're they're you know they're a louisville loss away from potentially playing for an acc title <laughs> but at this point clemson only has to win one game out of that three to get bowl eligible right now again at south carolina who knows you know maybe that game ends up being where's that north carolina guy uh the Georgia Tech and North Carolina are both at Clemson. Mm. So, so I mean, you feel like they win one of those? Probably. At least. Maybe. Maybe both. Here's the thing. North Carolina has only struggled. Oh, no. Georgia Tech was at Georgia Tech. Okay. Oh, what? Yeah. I was going to say North Carolina's struggles have been at home. Mm. But they did lose to Georgia Tech on the road. I don't know. But... I didn't expect Clemson to, to to beat Notre Dame. I certainly didn't expect them to, you know, you know Notre Dame kind of had to come back. It was what twenty four nine at the half, mm -hmm. and you know Sam Hartman just, you know, I guess he thought it was at Wake Forest again. Tough, tough beat for Notre Dame, who now is ranked behind James Madison in the AP poll, I think. So. Poll is out, isn't it? it? The poll is out. The poll no longer matters because we got the uh, yeah, we got the cape that the, the college football poll, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, USC out of the top twenty-five for the first time in a long time. Mm. Uh, Georgia still at one, Tennessee up to fourteen, beating UConn by fifty-six will do that. Do you, I mean, do we think that Tennessee would beat Oregon State and Utah on a neutral field? Here's the thing. I, Tennessee's ranked ahead of Missouri, and for what reason, I can't tell you. 
I think Tennessee, Oklahoma State, and Missouri would all three beat 11th-ranked Louisville, 12th-ranked Oregon State, and 13th-ranked Utah on a, on a neutral field. You could take those three, mm-hmm. flip them, and you'd be better off. <laughs> I mean, Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State. LSU lost to Alabama. And Kansas wins, but is ranked behind Oklahoma, who they beat. This is why I can't get behind this. Hmm. It's so frustrating. But anyway, maybe we could talk more about it tomorrow. We'll I guess we'll. I guess we'll have to talk more about it tomorrow, since we are college football playoffs. We'll we'll talk a little bit about what we think the rankings are going to look like. We'll talk with Blake Lovell to hear about what he said at Southeastern fourteen, what he thought about opening night of college basketball, all of that. Mm-hmm. And much more. So, we'll also have Chip tomorrow, right? I hope so. <laughs> That's right, because we didn't have him last. We'll week. have to ask. Yeah. Right? Hopefully, Chip Walters as well. So, you guys come back with us at 2 o'clock tomorrow, Main Street Sports Day. Presented by Mid Tennessee Bond and Joint. Have a great one.